This week's parsha is Parsha's Truma. Among the, the, the fascinating segments of the Mishkan is a part of the structure called Adonim. The Adonim were the sockets, the silver sockets that were along the bottom of the walls of the Krushim of the Mishkan. The Krushim of the Mishkan themselves were made of Atzei Shittimayndim, a certain type of wood, Acadia wood it's called, it's a type of cedar tree, and they were gold-plated, and on the bottom of these Atzei Shittim were two sticks coming out. It was not sticks separate, it was part of the Krushim, but it looked like two teeth coming out, and these two teeth fit perfectly into the socket, which was the Adonim. And along the entire perimeter of the Mishkan, you had these gold-covered Krushaya Mishkan, made of Atzei Shittim, and the bottom teeth stuck in, every single beam stuck into another socket, and you had a hundred sockets, a hundred Adonim, going around the entire Mishkan. This is all spoken about in the Psukim, in the Parsha, and the Pasuk says, Shnei Adonim, Tachas HaKeresh HaEchad, That there were two Adonim, under each Keresh, you had two of these, and they were sockets, and into these sockets fit the, the Krushim. And the question is, why do you need these Adonim? What did they help? Structurally, did they serve any purpose? And the simple answer is, and I spoke to somebody that's a very big Bucky in the Mishkan. He actually wrote a very definitive work on the Mishkan, uh, very popular. And I asked him a few questions specifically about the Adonim. And he said that he was also bothered by this, and the only explanation, just besides from the fact that the Rabbi Shalom wanted it this way, but architecturally it might be that if you would put the Krushim directly on the ground, when you put wood on, on the floor it rots, and so the Adonim protects the wood from getting direct exposure to the moist ground, and so that would be able to give a real good foundation to the walls of the Mishkan. But I wanted to say something, B'derek Machshava, about what the purpose of the Adonim were. What was the symbolic purpose of these Adonim? If you look in Rashi, in Parakhav Hei Pasuk Hei, speaking about those Atzei Shitim, this Acadia wood that was used to build the Krushim of, in the Mishkan. So Rashi says a very basic question. How did they find Acadia wood in the desert? Here they built the Mishkan in the desert. I can understand if the Mishkan's beams were made of cacti. That would make a lot of sense. But to find Acadia wood, I don't know, I'm not a botanist, but I don't think you could grow 
cedar trees in a desert. So where did they get this from? And Rashi says, B'Shem Reb Tanchuma, that's from the, the famous Medrash Tanchuma, Yaakov Avinu Tzafa Baruch HaKadosh, Yaakov Avinu, he foresaw Baruch HaKadosh that She'asidin Yisrael live Mishkan Bamidbar. That Klal Yisrael would someday build a Mishkan in the Midbar. Yaakov knew this. The Hevi Arazim Lemitzrayim, he brought these Arazim, he brought these cedar trees down to Mitzrayim, Vinatam, and he planted them. Vitsiva Livnais Livanov Litlaim Imayam Kishayatsum Mitzrayim. Yaakov Avinu foresaw Baruch HaKadosh that someday Klai Yisrael would build a Mishkan in the Midbar. And he knew that the Mishkan would be built with Atzei Shittim. So when he went down from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim, he brought with him saplings of Arazim. He planted these saplings in Mitzrayim, in Eretz Gashen, I presume. They grew and from there, when Klal Yisrael left Egypt, the one, one of the many things that they took with them, they took the Atzmei Seyseh, they took the Atzmei of all the Shvatim, they took the Bizas Mitzrayim, they took the Bizas Hayam, and among all of those things, they also were commanded by Yaakov Avinu to cut down those trees on the way out, and bring them with them into the Midbar, so that now in Parshish Truma they would be able to build the Mishkan using Atzei Shittim That's what Rashi says, quoting Reb Tanchuma. Obviously, these cedar trees that Yaakovino planted were invested with tremendous Kedusha. These were not any, you were not able to go to Home Depot and be able to get cedar wood in order to build a Mishkan. The Mishkan had to be done Lishma, it had to be done Vitusha Vitara. So these were not ordinary beams that were that were purchased. These had to be beams from a very special cedar tree. And I was wondering where did Yaakov Avino get this special cedar tree from, these saplings that he took to plant in Mitzrayim and then to subsequently be cut down to use to build the Mishkan with, where was these from? Where, where, which Atzei Shittim? Where did he find these from? Was it just some, something that he took from the neighborhood? Was it something that he, uh, you know, where, what, what, what was the historic source of these Aksashitim, presumably they had a very special, special nature to them. <coughs> and I don't know the answer. It's a good question, but I don't know the answer, but I do have a hunch. I have a hypothesis, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I'm not saying that it's right. I think it might be true. I believe that the Atzei Shittim that Yaakov Avinu took cuttings to plant in Mitzrayim comes from none other than the Eshel of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu had a very famous Eshel 
in the city of Be'er Sheva. What's an Eishel? Rashi there brings the Machlekes, whether an Eishel means an inn, that he, he built a hotel, or does it mean that he planted a paradise, an orchard with many trees? But one thing is certain, the Pasuk says, Vayita Eishel, he planted something. He planted an Eishel in Be'er Sheva. And in that, under that Eishel, whether it's a, a paradise or whether it's an inn, a lot of special kirov took place, which we'll speak about later, but he was makarid thousands of people in, the, in this area called the Eishel Abram that was in Be'er Sheva. We know a famous Medrash and Bereshus Rabbah, Perak Nuntes, Medrash Dalid, that Avram was Makabel the Avram and the Shavim, all of the people that were journeying to and fro, all the wayfarers, all the people that were on their way, and Avram Avinu drew them in to his Eishel, and they would eat and drink delicious food. Avram Avinu catered to them, and they wanted to thank him. They wanted to praise him and thank him. And he says, don't thank me. Thank the being that gave it to you. And he taught them about the Rabbi Nishalom. Baruch kelaylam shachalma mishalai. And if they accepted it, fine. Otherwise, he would say, okay, you're not going to say that? Then here's your bill. And they said, okay, we're going to say it. And this is how benching started. This is how brachas started. All the brachas that we know about, these were all brachas that were really instituted earlier than Anshar Knesset This is what Avram Avinu taught in his Eishel of Avram Avinu. The Eishel Avram that he planted in Beersheba was one that was infusing people with emuna. This was a very special... Eishel, these trees that was in this area called Eishel Avram were very special trees. And in these trees, under these trees, the entire world was changed from being Eved of Avizara to being able to have the concept that there is a, a one God in the world. Avram Avinu was the one that brought the other into the world. The Gemara says that up until Avram Avinu, there was no one that ever called HaKadosh Baruch Hu Adon. Just parenthetically, there was once a sitter that was put out. I think the name of the sitter, if I'm not mistaken, was Magid Tzedek, if I'm not mistaken. But it was a sitter that was put out, and he asked the Vilna Gain, whoever put out the sitter, asked the Vilna Gain for a Haskama. The Vilna Gain opened the sitter to Adon Elam, and he looked at the first vart that this sitter had in it. The vart that the sitter had was, why do we start davening with Adain Eilam? At Shachris every morning, Adain Eilam, it's a beautiful pismen, it's a beautiful tune that we have for it, but why start davening with Adain Eilam? Zuck this sitter, and this shows that whenever you have a, if you're ever going to publish a sefer, and hopefully you all will, Make sure that the first shtickle that you put in is very good. Because that's what people look at when they want to see if, what, what the Savior is all about. Make sure that you, the, the rest can be very fast, but the first has to be good. So, it says there in the Siddur 
that the reason why we start Shacharis with Adain Elam is because Abraham Avinu was Misakim Tfilah Shacharis. And Abraham Avinu was the one that called HaKadosh Baruch Adain. There was never a person until Abraham Avinu that declared monotheism in the world, that HaKadosh Baruch created the world. He's the Adain, he's the master. He was Mahab of the world until Abraham Avinu came. So because we're about to enter the world of the Shacharis, which is Avraham Avinu's domain, we start Adain Eilam, we declare emphatically with Amunah Shlema, what Avraham Avinu brought to the world, Agnes. The Vilna guy looked at this Vart, he loved the Vart. And he praised the sitter's soul because he saw this one Vart in the whole city. He says, Kedai to buy the sitter, and I'm sure that was very good for sales of that sitter. They asked the Briskarov, why did the Vilna Gain go so crazy over the... Vilna Gain was a Gain, you know, so if you show him the Rogachar, Briskidushim, okay, I can understand why he goes so crazy over that. Gainus. But this is a simple word. This is not a complicated word. I think anyone in the room could theoretically stop and thought about it. We might have come up with that. So the, the Briskarov says, you're right, but... The Vilna Gain had such a chavivas for Emes. He wasn't looking for fancy tyre, he was looking for Emes. He was looking for truth. And this Vart rung true. It just, it does. The, the, just the Vart makes so much sense. It's not complicated, it's, it's, it's simple, it's to the point, it's beautiful, and the Vilna Gain had an appreciation for that. But that was Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu was calling Adin to the world. This happened all under the Eshel Avram. We're going to speak about that later. We're going to show how the Rambam speaks about this. But take my word for it in the meantime that Avram Avinu under this Eshel did amazing things. He changed the world under this Eshel Avram Avinu. This is pure Amuna. And I believe that, uh, that when Yaakov Avinu went down to Mitzrayim, he took from that Eshel Avram the Atzei Shittim, to be replanted in Mitzrayim and subsequently to be used as the Krushim of the Mishkan. And you might be thinking, okay, that's a long shot. Because how do you know what those, what the Eshavam was? How do you know? You have pictures of it? You know that the Eshavam was Atzei Shittim? Maybe it was an apple tree. Maybe it was a uh, grapevine. Maybe it was a, uh, I don't know, uh, a peach tree. How do you know what the Eshavram was? If you could prove to me that it was a, an Aseshitim, I still might not be convinced, but at least you're getting closer. But how do you know what type of tree the Eshel of Avram was? I will prove to you that the Eshel of Avram was none other than Aseshitim. Because there's a Targum Yenison that says, when it speaks about in this week's parsha the Bria Chatichayin. The Bria Chatichayin was, they basically had holes through the crushing, and then there was a, a cross beam that ran through all of the crushing through this hole. It was a wooden Atse Shittim cross beam. And there's a Targum Yenison that says, on that pasuk about the 
about the, 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 this, this cross beam. Where did they get this cross beam from? He says that when Klal Yisrael went through Mitzrayim, went through the Amsaf rather, the Malachim took from the Eshel Abram, cut down some of it, or all of it, whatever, and they threw it into the water of the Amsaf. Klal Yisrael fished it out, and then they had it, and when they needed this, this Amunatavach, this, uh, this crossbeam, what they did was they put it by the hole of one of the holes of the Krashim, and the measure says that it snaked through all of the walls of the, of the Krashim like a snake, until it was completely enveloping and gripping the walls of the Mishkan. Zotrib Chaim Kanievsky in a safer time in the crop that we see from this Targum Yainasam that the that the Eshel of Avram was none other than Hatseshitim. So we know now that the Eshel of Avram was Hatseshitim. Now there's one more clue that I think helps out my hypothesis. That, uh, that Yaakov, you know, Dafka got the Krushim from, from the Eshel Avram. Because if you look in the, the map that Yaakov Inu took on the way down to Mitzrayim, where was he coming from, Yaakov Inu? He was coming from Hebron, the Ira Avis. But peculiarly, the Pasuk says that he made a stop as he was going down to Mitzrayim, he stopped in one city before he went to Egypt. What city was that? Beersheba. He made a stop in Beersheba, he built him his bath, he thanked HaKadosh Baruch, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him confidence that he's going to be with him, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go down to Mitzrayim, I'm going to be with you, don't worry, everything's going to be good, Yaakov. And then from Beersheba, he went down to Mitzrayim. The last stop before leaving Eretz Yisrael was Beersheba. Beersheba was the place of Eshel Avram. And my theory is that Yaakov Vinu took from the Eshel Avram and he, in Beersheba, and that was the closest place that he went on the way down. You don't want to have a tree drying out on you. It had to stay supple, it had to stay fresh. So the last stop in Eretz Yisrael was Beersheba. To me, it's Barur and Pashut. That the more I say it, that it was from the Eshel of Avram that he took the Atzei Shitim Aimdim. I just have to parenthetically say another interesting archaeological fact, not about the Eshel of Avram but about a different tree that Avram Avinu had. There was another tree that was made famous by Avram, and that was the tree when he was looking for Archim. He he had that tree when he greeted the three angels. He wasn't in Beersheba there. It was a different... He was in Eloine Mamre. But he had a tree there also, Avram, Avram Avinu. And somebody sent me when I was looking for artifacts for my book, Great Jewish Treasures, somebody sent me the ultimate artifact. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist to my knowledge. Maybe it's somewhere in the world, but I wasn't able to, to find it. 
but somebody sent me an amazing article, um, and it's from a very reliable source. There's a sefer called Chota Mesholosh. Chota Mesholosh was a sefer that I have in my office. A very actually, I don't, I don't have that sefer in my office, but I have a sefer that quotes from it extensively. But it's a very famous sefer about the Chassam Sefer and his family. It's like a very, it's the authorized version, it's an authorized safer that everybody agrees is Emmis. So, and it speaks about a lot of interesting facts about the Chassam Sefer and the Ksav Sefer and the Shevet Sefer and all, and the, the Chassan Sefer. Reb Kivager was in, right, maybe Reb Kivager also. So, it says like this. It says a Peladika thing in this in, in the Chutam Asholosh. It's Amad Kufyud Ches. When the Chasam Seifer Zuchusayagin Aleinu was appointed Nasi of the Tzedakah of Eretz Yisrael, there was a, a famous Tzedakah fund that Gedalim in Europe used to raise money. Today, Eretz Yisrael, you know, they, they raise money in Eretz Yisrael for America because Eretz Yisrael became very wealthy lately. Real estate is through the roof and the high-tech industry, but in the olden days, Eretz Yisrael was poor, like poor, as poor could be. There was no, it was all agriculture, and it was very shocked. So in Europe, they would go collecting throughout Europe. I know my great-great-grandfather, the Wurzburgerov, together with Shamshrafal Hirsch, would collect a lot of money uh, in, in, in Germany and send it to Eretz Yisrael. He was one of the founders of Sharitzedek Hospital. They used that money to found Sharitzedek Hospital. And there are many G'daylam in, in, throughout Europe that would make it their business to collect vast sums of money for the Aniyah Meretz Yisrael and all the Tzrach Meretz Yisrael in the 1700s, the 1800s, the early 1900s, and even till today. So the Chassam Seifer was one of these people that took upon themselves raising necessary funds and distributing it to Aniyah Meretz Yisrael. And as a result of that, they appointed him an honorary title. And that's that he was the Nasi of the Tzedakah of Eretz Yisrael. And so the Gabayim in Eretz Yisrael, who were so grateful to the Chassam Seifer for undertaking this role, they wanted to give him something special. They wanted to send him a gift. So what did they send him? They sent him a piece of wood from that tree when those angels came to visit Avram Avinu, they sat under a tree. Apparently they knew which tree that was. They carved out a piece of that tree, or they cut off a branch of that tree, and they sent that as a matana to the Chassam Seifer in Preshburg for being the Nasi of the Tzedakah of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that's a pretty cool artifact, but it gets cooler. Because the Chassam Seifer's Rebbe was Reb Nassim Adler, the great Reb Nassim Adler. And Reb Nassim Adler was a very renowned male. The Chassam Seifer himself was also a very renowned male. The Chassam Seifer, who was the closest Talmud Mubuk of, of Reb Nassim Adler, He followed Reb Nassim Adler to wherever Reb Nassim Adler went. He was mamish like a son. If you read the biographies of, of the Chassam Sefer, you see he was literally the closest of close to Reb Nassim Adler. 
But Rav Nassim Adler, when he died, he left his Ismo. And Ismo is the knife that he used for Brismila. That knife he bequeathed to the Chassam Seifer, who was himself a Mayan. So the Chassam Seifer had a great idea. He gave the knife of Rav Nassim Adler, the Ismo of Rav Nassim Adler, to a professional craftsman, together with that piece of wood from the tree that Abraham Avinu hosted those three angels under. And that professional craftsman made from that piece of wood a handle for the Ismo of the of Ramosan Adler. And it wasn't, that's very, very cool, but it didn't end there. He wrote, he had written, engraved, etched in that handle, that there were three people that he was standing over and that's what was etched in that handle. Now, you might ask, why? that's such a funny passage. Why would you know, say, or something? So he brings down on the bottom that one of those three people was, of course, the Malach Raphael who came to heal Avram Avinu who was recuperating from his own Mila. So Mila, that's why the Chassam Sefer probably chose that Pasuk to be quoted on that Ismo. And the Chassam Sefer said that from that moment on that he had that Ismo made, he never had any problem with any meal that he did. Every meal that he did from then on, la'ira la'ishom mikshal v'takala kishemala siyadi. So I don't know what that means, what happened before he had that Ismo, what happened, that we don't know. But after he got that Israel, it was smooth sailing from there. Baruch Hashem. So, this was a very interesting historical fact. This is from, this isn't some, you know, that I, I didn't read this in Great Jewish, whatever, you know, Great Jewish beaches. This is something that I read. <laughs> this is something that comes from the Chutam Mesholosh. So it's, it's legit. It's genuine. And, and then there's one other cool thing. Um, that also brought in the Chutam Sholosh, that before many years, the, the Mamleches Angland, you're going to probably wonder, where's that tree today in Eretzel? Next time I go to Eretzel, I want to go to Eretzel, right? And I want to find that tree, and I'm going to make a nice cottage in this tree for myself. I'll sell online pieces of the, of the tree of Avram Avinu. It's going to be huge. So, where's that tree today? Zot the Chutam that the British Museum, doesn't get cooler than this, the British Museum found out that there was that tree in Eloine Mamre. They wanted that tree of Abraham, it's a historical tree, they wanted to bring it to their museum. If you ever went to the British Museum, I've been there, they have a whole floor just full of mummies from, uh, and daddies uh, of, of England, uh, of Egypt, and, um, okay, I'm not going to try that again. And um, there was a whole floor of, you know, of, 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 I don't know, they have all of the hieroglyphics and they have a floor of this. They wanted as, a, as one of the, you know, major exhibits to have this tree of Abraham. That's a very cool exhibit. I would fly to England just to see that tree. So they sent people to cut down that tree or to unearth it and to, they would replant it, I guess, in, in the museum. And what happened was, they, and they spent a lot of money for this, they were going to buy it, and they were going to have people bring it. 
They started digging it up to bring it back to England. A fire came and consumed the tree. The tree sunk in, in its place. A fire consumed all around it. It's gone. But that is a lot of history about the tree of Avraham Avinu. This is the other tree of Avraham Avinu. This is the tree of the Chesed of Avraham Avinu. But the tree of Amuna of Avraham Avinu is the Eshla Avram. That was in Beersheba. That was from Atzei Shittim. That was the last stop that was made before entering Mitzrayim. And I believe that, uh, that Yaakovino understood that this was the right tree to use to plant saplings from that special tree that was infused with Amuna. We're going to plant that in Mitzrayim and that is going to serve as the walls of the Mishkan. Up until this point, I don't know if you're so interested in archaeology, if you're so interested in artifacts, I happen to be fascinated by this stuff, but I understand that you might not be so into it. But now I want to speak about the metaphysical, not the physical tree, but the metaphysical tree that Avraham Avinu planted that I promised before that I would speak about a little bit more. There's a very critical Rambam in the beginning of Hilchas Avedis Kaychavim in Parak Aleph, where he describes the history of Avedis Zarah. How did people come to believe that the sun and the moon and the stars are godly? Where did they get that from? So the Ramam goes through an elaborate history of the universe, very unlike the Ramam to give us a long history lesson. The Ramam is a Sefer Allah of the Mishnah Torah. But he spends a lot of ink telling us a lot of very interesting facts in order to explain how the Zorah came to be. And he says that it started to be Me'enosh. Up until that point, people used to understand there was a Rabbinish Lamb in the world. But then they said, as time went on, you know what, we can't dive into the Rabbinish Lamb. He's too far away. We can't see him. Let's dive into Amtsayim. Let's dive into middlemen. So they started davening to, to a sun, to a moon, because they felt that they in turn would reflect that praise and send it up to Rabbanisha. But eventually, with the passage of time, they forgot that Homer said there was a Rabbanisha that was really at the core of their Aveda. They forgot about God and they made that the sun was actually himself, itself, a power. And so they started down, down to the to the stars and the mazals, the constellations, all the planets, the sun. And that's how history evolved. And there came a time that the whole world mistakenly believed that there is a Zara, that you can bow down to the sun, the moon, the stars, to statues. This is how the whole world went crazy. They believed that there was, there was a force other than God in the world that was powerful and that we should pray to it. And then our hero comes. His name is Avraham Avinu and he stopped the madness. He figured out on his own 
by understanding that this is impossible, there has to be a manik to the world, the Rambam, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but the Rambam speaks in very great detail about how he came to that conclusion. Avraham Avinu, he says, was Ben Arban Shana, when he was Makir the Bayer, the Ravid is Masik on this spot, and he says, no, there's a measure that says he was three years old, when he realized that there was a Rabbi Nishleilam, Ekev Asher Shama, Avraham Bekele, Ekev is Gematria, um, 172, he lived to 175, so there were three years that he didn't listen to the Rabbi Nishlein because he didn't know any better, but when he was three years old, anyway, whether he was three years old, whether he was 40 years old, there came a time that Avram Avinu understood that there was a Rabbi Nishlein in the world, he started breaking famously the Tzlomim, all the Avedizaras, he, the king wanted to kill him, and he ran away, and then he started making it his business, Avram Avinu, to spread and to broadcast clearly to the world that there's one God, Agnus, Adain Ailam. And he would go me'irli ear, until he came to Eretz Canaan. And there in Eretz Canaan, he really started ramping up his publicity. His broadcasting that the Rabbi Nishalim is Echad, Shenema Vayikra Shom B'Shem Hashem Kel Olam. Where is that pasuk? That pasuk is in the parasha that talks about the Eshel of Avram. He called out under the Eshel of Avram. He called out to the world Kel Olam. There's a God that created the world, and then people started gathering to him and asking him about this. And then this is the line in the Ram that I want to focus on. He gave personal time to each individual to speak to them about their amuna, to speak to them about their concerns, about their, their misgivings, to clear up any stakers that they might have. He gave personal attention. Thousands, ten thousands, millions of people were influenced by Avram Avinu. This is called the household of Avram Avinu. These are the nefesh asher asu b'charon. What is the shasa b'libam? What does this mean? The shasa b'libam. I looked in Reb Chaim Kanievsky's sefer. He has a sefer called Kiryas um, Melech, I believe, on the Rambam. It's the best sefer on the Rambam. He goes and he finds all the Maramakaimas for the Rambam that the Naisei Kalim did not bring. Meaning the Rambam wrote a sefer called Mishnah Tayyar. The Mishnah Tayyar is supposed to, if you look in the Akdam of the Rambam, he says, mis- he was misunderstood, but he says that this is going to be a sefer that sort of, it, it, it's like a, it could be a substitute for Gemara. And one of the tiniest that they had in the Rambam is, where's your Makairas? Where's your Maramakaimas? So, you know, you don't have any, it just, he just doesn't tell us where he gets anything from. And that's why the Nesekim, the Kesa Mishnah, and the, uh, the, the Magid Mishnah, Bechule, they, they come and they try to find Maramakaimis, where the Ram gets this from. But believe it or not, as great as those people were, they left out a lot of Maramakaimis. And come to Chem Kanievsky, and with his vast Bekiyos, he brings, he has a whole safer of, of Makaimis from the Rambam, where the Rambam got from Medrashim and from Zayars, and, and he finds all these Makaimis that the Nesekim, did not find. 
I, I was looking where he got this from. I was hoping that he'd find the medrash for this lashon. He doesn't say anything. But what does it mean? Bishasa Baliba. I thought it was a medrash. Bishasa Baliba means that he planted. He planted in their hearts. Shasa is lashon like Shasulim Bebeis Hashem. Saplings. He planted in their hearts this emuna. He told this to Yitzchak. Yitzchak taught his children. Yaakov Avinu was taught and he taught his children. And then he separated Shevet Levi. Levi, was, Levi became the Rosh Yeshiva and he continued to keep the mitzvah of Ram Avinu. And this continued and it was going well. Everybody was strong in their Amunah, but then in Mitzrayim, being in Egypt for so many years, in the decadence of Mitzrayim, the Rambam says an amazing Lashon. He says, they started doing Avedah Zarah, not Sheva Levi, but everybody else. Ukimat kot haya ha'ikr sheshasra ha'avram nekar. A little bit longer, this planting that Avram Avinu planted in their hearts was about to be uprooted and to die. And even Bnei Yaakov started doing Avedah Zarah and started making this mistake about worshipping idols that the world had erred for so many thousands of years before Avram Avinu, not thousands, but for, for so many centuries before Avram Avinu came, came around. Umeavas Hashem Maisanu, Mishamras Hashvul Avram Avinu, he allowed Maishabinu to come and give the Torah, and there the Amunu was once again replanted. I just found it fascinating that Avraham Avinu planted Emunah in their hearts. That's Lashon Shalom. He taught Emunah. What's planting? And what I wanted to say was that Avraham Avinu, it says, Vayita Eishel. He planted Eishel. It didn't just plant a physical Eishel. He planted spiritual Eishel. He planted in their hearts Emunah. Every single person that came through the Eishel of Avraham Avinu, it wasn't just taught. It was planted. And moon has to be planted. When Rebutner came to America, I'm sorry, when Rebutner came from America to Eretz Yisrael, at the end of his life, somebody asked him, Rebbe, are you going to build Tyra in Eretz Yisrael like you did in America? He says, Tyra is not built. Tyra is planted. I intend to plant Tyra in Eretz Yisrael like I planted on America. I didn't build. Everyone's like, you're building tire. You're building... It's not a building. A building is you take brick and mortar and you put it together. That's a building. But that's a very superficial thing. Tire has to be planted. You have to plant the seed. Then you have to water it. You have to provide sunlight. You have to provide love. TLC. There's a lot that comes in making something grow. Abraham Avino did that in... When he was... Yita Esho when he was planting that tree, the, the paradise, it was a much deeper planting that he was doing. He was shasa bolibam. He was planting emunah in their hearts. But emunah is a sapling. Emunah is something that has to be constantly nurtured. A building could stay for, for eternity. You build a strong building, there are buildings in the world that are, you know, leaning tower of Pisa, the Kaiso Havdil. How, how old is the Kaisal? It's 2,000 years old. It's an old building. Buildings stay forever. Trees die. If you don't take care of a tree, it dies. 
emuna that Avraham Avinu gave us, it had to continue, it had to be constantly watered, and it had to come down to Mitzrayim with Yaakov Avinu, and Yaakov gave it to Levi to continue watering. And Levi taught Klal Yisrael that there is one God. But you know, in Mitzrayim over so many, so many years, the sapling, the Ram says, almost died. And Muna is not forever. And Muna needs each and every dar to replant that Muna. And it was almost dead. Maishra Rabbeinu Baruch Hashem came and he, was, he took us out of Mitzrayim. The capital of and the Muna was strong. But what happened then? Again, after the Torah was given, a mere 40 days later, we were chaytir with the Egel. Ad shamelach the Pasuk says in Shashirim. We were mamish under a chuppah. The Gemara says, aluva kalash ezimsa tachas chupasa. Could you imagine the scene of a chasen and kala that get married underneath a chuppah? And then you come back a little while later, and you see the kala being mezana with somebody under that chuppah. Could you imagine the horrific scene that that would be? The scandal. Under the chuppah, you're being mezana? Maybe you're mezana somewhere else, but under the chuppah that you, you had your vows to be faithful, and that's where you, you're mezana? And the Pasuk says that's what happened by Mount Tyra. We had a chuppah by Matan Torah, and the Kabbal of Torah, the Rabbani Shalom came, the Kailas of Brachim, and 40 days later, we're already, I did have a desara, because Amuna is very, very delicate, it's very fragile. And what did HaKadosh Baruch command us after that? We have to build a Mishkan. After the Chet HaEgel, according to most Rishonim, as a Kapara, it's not Rishonim, it's Medrashim, Chazalim, even though it's this Pasuk is before Kisisa, this Parsha of Truma, but according to most, this was a Kapara for the Chet HaEgel. The, the Mishkan was supposed to be Mechapar for the Chet HaEgel. The Mishkan was supposed to bring the Shekhinah down so that we never make that mistake again to think that there's something other than the Rabbi Shalom, that there's another God in the world, Khalila. Yaakov Avinu, when he was going down to Mitzrayim and he knew Baruch HaKadosh that someday Kuala Yisrael will be chaytim with the Egel and that Abed Zarah would once again be involved and they would build a Mishkan in order to undermine that Ruach of Abed Zarah. There was only one place that Yaakov Avinu could go to get the Atzei Shittimaimdim. And that was going back to the source, going back to the root, literally, of the Eshla Avram, where Avram Avinu showed the world the very first time that there is a Rabbi Forget about Avaydazar. Avaydazar is Shtusim Avalim. There's one God, and the one God was planted not just physically in the Eshla Avram, but metaphysically, spiritually planted in every Eber Vishav, they got this infusion, a seed planted in them that there's a God in the world. And they spread that seed all over. Yaakov Avinu went back to the root of Amuna in the world. And he created from that the Krasha Mishkan.
the Krasha Mishkan, which were so important to once again replant and moon onto the hearts of Klai Yisrael at this critical moment in history when Klai Yisrael was again almost finished because of the Chetzegah. And Shvachu wanted to wipe us out. No, we're going to have a Mishkan and the Mishkan is going to bring the Shekhinah down and we're going to have a Muna again. It had to be from the Yisrael of Avinu. It had to have that purity, that kedusha, that tire that, that Abraham Avinu brought to the world to plant, to be shasa belibam, again and again, how there's one God in the world and has to be true. That's what the Atzei Shittim were. And I believe, Rabbi said, that that's why there was Adonim for the Mishkan. What are Adonim? Adonim are a place that you plant something in. If you think about it, you have Atzei Shittim the Atzei Shittim were standing. That means that they had to look like a tree. Just the way the tree is, is upright, it had to be put exactly that way. It couldn't be upside down. It had to be put in that way, and you have to plant it in the Adonim. The Adonim were like the, the earth, as it were, that you're planting, you're putting foundations in, because the planting is what's important when it comes to Emuna. Shasa Belibam. You have to plant the oxen, the crushroom of the Mishkan, Abraham Avinu, it can't just be some. It has to be planted in somewhere. It has to stay, it has to be firm, it has to be real. Yaakovinu planted in Mitzrayim, and then he took it out and he brought it to the Midbar, Kral Yisrael, and it had to be replanted in the Adonim. And the Adonim is Miloshin Adnus. This is the site of Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu teaches us how you have to plant Emunah. Emunah is not something that's given, it's not something that happens on its own. It has to be replanted, it has to be planted in each and every one of us in our children, in our Talmidim, in our friends, in our parents, it has to be planted. Agnus! Agnei HaMishkan! Adain Ayram! Every one of the Adonim shows a person how you have to take the Samuna, the Atseshitim Aimdim, and you have to put it in something, you have to plant it, it has to be attached to you. This is what we have to know about Emuna. You know, it's, there's an interesting story that the Chazanish, when he was getting old, the Chazanish found Esraigim in Eretz Yisrael. When he came to Eretz Yisrael, he was very concerned about the Esraigim because he was worried that a lot of them were Morkov. The ones that were growing in Eretz Yisrael were Morkov. Until he finally found a certain type of Esraigim, he was convinced that it was not Morkov, that it was not grafted. It was a pure, unadulterated esrig. And he picked that esrig, and then he planted from that esrig, those seeds, he planted a tree. And from that tree that he had in his house, he grew many esrigim, and people took from that tree. And when he was very old, he called over a very close Talmud. His name was Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz who became Rosh Hashiva and Panovich later, and he was one of the G'dayle Adar, he was Nifter a few years ago, and he called Remichel Yudha to his house, and he said, I want to give you something. And he goes, um, he crawls underneath his Esrig tree, and he finds the perfect Esrig in that tree, and he says, I want you to take the seeds of this Esrig, and I want you to plant it in your house, in your backyard, and make sure 
that it's taken care of properly because you are going to basically have the Messiah of my Esther tree. And Ramechiel says, but I don't know anything about planting. It's, I'm, 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 I'm a Kyle guy. I can't die with planting. What do I know about planting? So he says, don't worry. You're going to be able to do it. And he gave him some instructions. And the Chazanish said a Lushan to him that, you know, that implied that he would have a lot of Siat Dishmaya. He said that the Chazanish said, HaKadosh Baruch can send Bracha with one gust of wind. That was the Lashon the Chazanish. And with that, Remichel Yudah, um, he tried to decline the offer of the seeds. He didn't want them. And he said that he didn't know anything about raising Esraigim. And he said it, was, it might take a lot of his time. And he says, no, you have to do it. And he basically spent very little time. But the, the tree started growing. And many of the Talmidim the Chazanish used to come to get Esraigim from that tree. The stipler used to get a shragim from that tree, or Chaim Penyevsky, all the, 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 the people of the family, the Chazanish, the Talmud, the Chazanish knew that the Lefkowitz strand of Esraigim is very, very, it, it has the Messiah of the Chazanish that it's built in Merkov. If you look on a lot of the Esrig boxes that, that are sold, a lot of them either say that Chazanish Esrig, or a lot of them say, that it's from Lefkowitz, it's a Lefkowitz Esther. And you wonder, who's this Lefkowitz? must be like a big Gavir, driving around in a Rolls Royce in Eretz Yisrael. Who's this Lefkowitz? The answer is, Michal Yudah Lefkowitz, it's from that tree. That's what it means. It's come, it comes from that tree. So, and people used to, famous Rabban and famous Admirim used to come to get Esregim from his tree. And it was a miraculous tree because normally this, it lasted like I don't know how many years it was lasting, maybe 60, 70 years this tree was going. The Esther tree doesn't last that long normally. And he did very minimal care for it, and it would still grow. It was a miraculous tree. And once when Michal Yudah was nifter, the tree died. The tree died. Because it was only there because of the Chazanish's bracha. But once the Chazan, once when Michal Yudah died, and the bracha was only given to him, and the tree died. It had no more reason to live. And I think that that's like sort of a, a nice mushal about what emuna is. Emuna is very fragile. Emuna is not something that's here forever. A tree is something that it lives and it dies and it's all by the Rabbani Shalom. It's, it's all, it, it depends how much you put into it. If you water it and you give sunlight to it and you do the right things, then hopefully it'll live. And even then it's not so pushed. But if you just neglect it, it's not gonna, it doesn't go naturally. Very, very delicate, the seeds of Emuna. Avraham Avinu planted it, Yitzchak had to plant it, Yaakov had to plant it, Levi had to plant it, and it still almost died. Until Meshra Avinu came along, and even then it died almost. The Chatego. Then the Mishkan came, and that was able to be a source of Emuna for us. But Emuna has to be real. If it's not planted in our hearts for real, if it's just some vague concept that there's a God in the world, but I don't know if I really believe it. It's just I daven and I... How many people do that? How many of us, we go through the motions every day and we wake up and we put on film and we daven and we learn, we, we do mitzvahs and whatever, but in our heart of hearts don't really know for certain that there's a God. Now we, we do, we say that we do, but do we really, really believe it? Once Revaldi was by, was visiting Rebchatzka Levenstein. 
And Rebobi was already an established Mashkiach in Beriakov, a very Chashav Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And he went to visit Rebchatzko and they were talking and, and learning and Musa, whatever. And then on the way out, Rebchatzko stops Rebobi. As Rebobi was about to leave, Rebchatzko said, I just want to tell you one more thing. You're going back to Yeshiva now. I want to give you a message to tell the Bachim in your Yeshiva. So he thought that the message was going to be something of, you know, some Kabbalah, some Nister, some, something very deep, a big, uh, you know, some very, very sadistic uh, Messiah that he had. He said, I want you to go back to your base Medrash. I want you to give a clap on the Bima and say the following. Bachim, you should know that there's a Rabbeinu Shalom in the world. And Revolvi says, or maybe he thinks that, you know, I'm, I'm in like a druggy yeshiva, you know, maybe, I, you know, maybe it's a, he doesn't, maybe, maybe he doesn't hop that my yeshiva is like one of the best yeshivas in Eretz We have guys that are rocking every day, they're learning Taira, they're Musar and Kitsais and Nesivas and, and, and Rashpas and Ritvas and, oh, he's telling that there's a God in the world, that's, that's what we need Rebchatzko Levishkin to, to say. And Revolvi said that I understood from Rebchatzko that what he was saying is that Amuna needs to be real. You can learn all the Musa that you want. You could daven, you could do chesed, you could do matanas avyanim, ma'ishitim, you could do all the mitzvahs. But you can miss out on the fact that there's a God in the world. Now, we all know that there's a God on a certain level. We believe in that at least. But to know it is something different. It's interesting. If you look in the Avi Ezri, in, in, in these halachas of the Rambam, he says that the Rambam uses, in, in the earlier halachas, I think it's in Yisraeli Atayra maybe, the Rambam uses l'shaynes when it comes to Amuna that, that it's a mitzvah leda to know that there's a God in the world. In the Sefer Mitzvah, he used in the, I forgot which one, but in one place he says that it's a Mitzvah Leda, and one says it's a Mitzvah Lahamin. One says it's a Mitzvah to believe that there's a God, and another says it's a Mitzvah to, to know that there's a God. So he says, I understand, I understand Yediyah. This is Rav talking, because Rav was such a person. He says, I understand Yediyah, to know there's a God, because it's Pashat. Like the Ram says, Avram being approved, you know, if there's... If there's a bira, there must be a bal bira. If there's a mansion, it's impossible the mansion was built on its own. There must be somebody that made the mansion. I have the idea. What is that Muna? And Muna just to believe in God? How can you not know that there's a God? And he said that he asked his rabbi, the Briskarov, this question. And the Briskarov said, I had the same question. I asked my father, Chaim this question. And Chaim says, you're right. The main mitzvah is the idea. You have to know. You have to know that there's a God in the world. Not just believe. And Muna is things that are beyond our scope of understanding, of comprehension. Meaning, there's things that we can know about God, but then there are things that we can't really understand. That's together Amuna. The things that we don't know, that are above our seichel, that's Amuna. But there is a basic necessity. The mitzvah is not, I believe that there is a God. I have to know that there is a God. I think, I forgot, maybe Rav Shach used to say, in describing certain Bali Musr. So he said about one of them that his Musr was in his head. And about another one, his Musr was in his heart. And about Rabchatskal, his Musr was in his hands. His Amuna was in his hands. 
What does that mean? He felt the amuna. It was mamash yediya b'chush. I know, I know that there's. It's not like I believe. I believe sounds like it's a leap of faith, but I'm going to go for it. Yediya means I firmly believe that I, I firmly know that there's a God. I know it. If Shach used to say, from my flesh I could see God. How do you see God in your flesh? It's just You go to a biology class, biology 101 is all it takes. If you have the right hashkafa, every single thing that you're learning about, whether it's about all of the, the eye and how intricate, how perfect everything has to function for the eye to be able to see. Or the hand, how, when I'm moving my hand, how many things have to go right for that to happen? You know, my brain and my spine and my nerve system and this and that, my, my, my muscles. So many things have to go, every single thing. The veins and the arteries and the capillaries, the feet and the hands and the extremities, the heart pumping and the brain working and the mouth talking and the lungs pumping and the heart. It's a perfectly oiled machine, the body, when it's functioning properly. Is that not, is that not seeing God? I know God just by looking at my hands. There's a God in the world. But if you're not chazering this, if you don't really believe it, it'll slip away. We've seen that in yeshiva over and over again. People that are very from guys that are learning day and night, sometimes just all of a sudden one day, shouldn't say many times, but it's happened too, once too many times, that they just pick themselves up, and then you hear a couple of years later that they're not from. Guys that were learning in the highest shirim, chazer and shirim, giving chaburas, and all of a sudden you hear they're off the derech, they're not from anymore. Yeshivish guys, black and white guys with hats, they're not wearing yarmulkes anymore, they're not, they're not davening anymore, they're not putting on stone anymore, they're not from, what happened? What happened was that the emuna wasn't being properly watered. They were talking the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. It wasn't real to them. It was emuna, so I believe in this today, I believe that tomorrow. Emuna has to be, it has to be natua believe, it has to be real to us. How do we make it more real? How are we able to plant seeds throughout the day to make sure that we know that there's a God in the world? Very simple, the same way Abraham Avinu did it. By making brachas properly. Brachas. Avraham Avinu planted it in their hearts by making them say a bracha. We quoted the Medrash before. Every time a person came and they wanted to thank Avraham Avinu, he said, don't thank me, thank God. Say, say a bracha. A bracha, what is a bracha? A bracha is every time I take a drink, I make baruch ata Hashem, elekeinu melech ha'elam, your God over the universe, shakomi avdvaru. Everything happens by your word. Then I drink. My father, Rabbi Shalom, used to say, quote from Rabbi Pelkowitz, that, um, that uh, he says, when a person makes a shakal niyab devarei, person declares HaKadosh Baruch emphatically as being the Melech HaElam and shakal niyab devarei, that everything happens by his word, he deserves a drink. He deserves a drink. By making that stance, not that you, you know, you, it's a matir, you deserve a drink. How many brachas do we make a day? A person is supposed to make a hundred brachas a day. To remind ourselves of the oddness of the Rabbi Shalom in the world. 
from the moment we wake up in the morning, we make an Amzos Yadayim. Last week, B'Divrei Sairah, B'Divrei Chesah Shachars. Every time we have a cup of coffee, a Danish, Asher Yatzar is a, a dozen times a day, maybe. Benching, Shachris, Mincha, Mayev, when it's lightning, thunder. How many opportunities of brachas, Mayev, brachas, B'chal Yaim, to instill in ourselves, to plant in our hearts the Amuna, to believe and understand and know that everything happens from the Rabbi Nishlam. Everything. That's what brachas were meant to do. And you know what? I found the Meridika Dasakanri Valley Paisis and Pashas Pakude that says that the hundred Adonim that we speak about today are Kinega the Mea Brachas Shebuchalyaim. What's the shaykh? It's a it's a Medrash Pliya. what's the shaykhis? Hundred Brachas Mea Adonim. That's the aside. The aside is the Mea Adonim, we said, was taking the Atzei Shittim of Avraham Avinu, that Amuna Bechush, that he planted, and we're planting that into our hearts. That's what the Adonim are. It's Adnus. We don't have a Mishkan. We don't have a Besam Mikdash. We don't have the Shechina. How do we have Amuna Bechush? We have our Adnus. We have our Mea Adonim Bechal Yaim that we're supposed to use to plant a moon on our hearts. Every single moment we make a bracha, we have Kavana, it infuses, it's planting a seed in our heart. This is true. There's a Rabbi Nishlam in the world. Nothing that we do, nothing that we eat, nothing that we, that we occupy ourselves with can go without making a bracha. People tell me they go to, you know, they're working in offices in Manhattan. And the Gayim think that they're crazy. Every time they go out of the bathroom, they're talking to themselves, these Jews. Having a whole conversation with themselves every time they go out of the bathroom. Because in midtown Manhattan, when you see the skyscrapers and you think that there's people that are masters of the universe, you remind yourself that there's a Rabbi Nishayim in the world. And when you're having your coffee in your office, and when you're ordering lunch, and when you're davening mincha, in the middle of the workday, and many places have workday minyanim, they have people from offices all over that come together, reminds you that there's a Rabbi It plants a moon, it doesn't allow you to forget Agnes in the world. That's the Das Kanan. Meya brachas b'chayayim are keneged the meya adonin of the Mishkan. This is our job in life. Our Mishkan is the yeshiva that we're in. We have our own Adonim. We have our own ways to plant seeds. We learn, we daven, we come to Musa Shmuz and we say our Meir Brachas. This is our Mishkan. And we have to know that it's not enough just merely to give lip service to Amunah. We have to believe it, B'chush. It has to be planted in our hearts into those Adonim. And Amir Hashem, if we're able to do this, and we'll be zeichet to the Bayeshlishi, where we'll be able to be zeichet once again to the Ashras Hashchina Benigla. We'll be able to have the Emuna, not just the Eifin Yediyah and Emuna, but B'chush will be able to see the Shchina Akedaisha and Yerushalayim Yerakedish from here. Amen. Amen.